Okay, well, we've just heard that story from the Bible, uh, and it's all about this couple called Abraham and Sarah, who God had promised something to. He made a really big promise to them, and they've been waiting a very long time. And I want us to go back to the beginning of the story, long, many years before what we just had read to us. It's all about a man called Abraham, who lived thousands of years ago, actually quite a long time, a long time before Jesus came. And God spoke to this man, Abraham, and he made a promise to him. He said, look, I want you to leave where you are now. I want you to make me part of your life. And I want you to go to another land that I'm going to show you of. And he made this amazing promise. He said, from you, from your children and their children and their children, I will make a really great nation. I'm going to do something that will make the, the world completely right through you. I can bless the world through what I'm going to do in you. And it was like the first part of the jigsaw as Abraham did what God said and he went off to the land uh, that God had shown him. He hoped for something different with God, something that God had promised him. But, you know, there was one thing about it. Abraham and his wife, Sarai, as they, Abraham and Sarai, as they were called then, they had no children. And I suppose they thought that that would happen in time. They would just have to wait. So off they go uh, to a land that God is going to show them. We're going to go off and begin our, carry on our story in a moment. Lots of time went by and they went off. So years have gone by. Lots of travelling, lots of ups and downs, lots of mistakes, lots of successes. They've become very rich. And one day God spoke to Abraham again. And now he's in the land of Canaan, the land that God said, go to. The land actually would later become Israel. And God says to Abraham, all this land will be for you and your people, all your children and your grandchildren and your relatives. They're going to be so many of them. They're going to be like dust and you, you can't count little specks of dust. And God says, they're going to be like that. And so another part of the jigsaw comes into place as God says to Abraham, yeah, you can have, you're going to have all those people, but there's still a problem. And the problem is that Abraham and Sarai still haven't had any children, but they were hoping, they were hoping it would happen because God had promised it to them. So, they carried on their journey, they carried on traveling to different parts of uh, Israel, or uh, Canaan as it was then, learning about God. So even more years go by, and, and then God speaks to Abraham again. God says to Abraham, it's okay, don't be afraid, I'm going to be like your reward. I don't know whether Abraham was afraid of something particular, but God says, don't be afraid, Abraham. And then Abraham says, but God, you, you haven't given me any children. And God says to Abraham, it's okay. I promised you will become a great nation. And, and he takes Abraham out and says to him, go and look up into the sky. Look at the stars. How many are there? That's how many descendants. That's how, much, how big your, your family and family after and family after and family after. That's how many will be. So many like the stars. And Abraham, you know what? The Bible tells us that Abraham, when he heard God say that, he believed God because God had made him a promise. And even though it had been a long time waiting, he believed in God's promise and he carried on. And so they carried on 
and they went on and there were lots of mistakes, lots of different things, but the journey continued and they carried on walking with God through the land of Canaan, just like God told them to. So then many more years go by and Abraham becomes quite old. He's now 99 and Sarah, his wife, is 90. And God spoke to him again. It was like another piece of the puzzle came in, into, the, into the picture. And God said something to Abraham and, and told him that he wanted to be in a covenant with him. That means a very special relationship. And as part of that, God says to Abraham, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. And I'm going to change Sarah's name to uh, Sarah, Sarai's name to Sarah. And you know what God says? You and Sarai will have a son. And Abraham has been waiting, he's been hoping, he's been leaving for years and years and years. And he's 99 and he thinks, how can that happen? And he, it's such a crazy idea. He, he, he laughs. But God says, no, Sarah will have a son and you will call his name Isaac, which means laughter. And that son of yours, Isaac, will be the one who will carry on all that I promised to change the world through your descendants. So God promises, and still Abraham is waiting. And he went off and continued his journey, and we'll continue our journey as well. So more time goes by and Abraham and Sarah are still waiting and the pieces of the puzzle are still kind of coming together but, but still it hasn't happened. And then one day, remember we had that story read to us from the Bible earlier on or somebody helped us understand it by telling it to us. One day those three mysterious visitors arrived and there's another piece of the puzzle comes into place because they say God is going to give Sarah a son. And Sarah, when she heard it, she laughed. I mean, she was only just around the corner in the tent. So maybe she went like that. But she still laughed because she thought, how can that happen? I'm so old. I can't have children. And the Lord, who it, it seems that one of their visitors at least was, was like the Lord there. Saying, and, the, and the Lord said, did Sarah laugh? Why did you say that, Sarah? Why did you think that? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And Sarah said, I didn't laugh, but the, but the Lord said, well, you did. But the promise was given. They've been waiting all this time for this promise to, to happen. And still they were waiting, but God said, it's going to happen. And then they went off again, or they carried on their, their journey. Um, uh, and lots of other things happened, actually, during the next little while. Well, a year later, it all came true. The promises were fulfilled, and Abraham and Sarah had a son, and they called him Isaac. And that means laughter. And Sarah said, God has given me laughter. He's given me joy, because I have the son that he promised. And after that really long wait, it was, God's promise was fulfilled. Now, if we love Jesus, if we've given our lives to him, 
He's made promises to us, promises that he'll be with us, promises that he won't let us down, promises that he'll forgive us. And all those things come into our lives straight away. But some things we have to wait for. We have to wait for the day we'll be with him. And hope is that feeling, that, that sense that we have that God will keep his promises, that we can trust Jesus, that he will work things out for our good and his glory. But we can trust God because he will keep his promises. We can trust him because of Jesus. Isn't it amazing that we can know God through Jesus and that we can have a friend? We can have a friend like Jesus in our lives because Jesus is the one who came and changed the world. He was one of Abraham's descendants. He was the one that was promised to come and rescue. What an amazing friend we have if we trust ourselves to him. Well, today we're continuing to explore the theme of hope. Where you get it? How can it be sustained? And this morning we're thinking about hope being fulfilled in a really hard place. We're going into the experience of a couple who live with hope through the whole of their life, even though for them, they're called Abraham and Sarah, we meet them in the Bible, it's not easy. Almost the first words in the Bible about Sarah, this lady, it describes her there as being barren. She cannot have children. And, and that's the first thing we, we read about her in Genesis. It's actually a chapter later that we discover that she was actually beautiful. Perhaps that shows the priorities of that culture at the time. But this couple live with a hope that they will have a child. But it's more than vague for them. It, it comes from somewhere else other than biology. It actually comes from God's involvement in their lives. And more than that, they're tied to God's plan to bless the world. There's a bigger hope at work in their experience, because this is the beginning of the story in the Bible, back in Genesis, of how God will rescue the world. One of their descendants will be Jesus. So their promise of offspring, promise of children, is much more than personal. The whole kind of future of the world kind of hinges on it. Now, let's step back a, back a bit rather and ask ourselves, where does hope come from? You know, hope, that belief, that kind of urging that we have, that gut awareness that things can be different. At the moment, we hear a lot about hope today, whether it's to do with COVID-19 or to do with the Black Lives Matter movement. Hope is on the agenda so where does that come from? Where can we get it? Well, I guess there are some different possibilities that different people hold on to. Sometimes we believe that people can just do great things, and they can. Human beings are capable of amazing, good and wonderful things. And we think change will, will come because of that. And so we, our hearts were filled with hope when we saw that black guy carrying the white supremacist from danger uh, last weekend. So we see hope when, when we, we see that. Or maybe we think that the government will eventually get it right and, and will prevent us all from kind of uh, being completely destroyed. Or maybe we have a vague hope like Sonny in the first Marigold Hotel movie. At one point he says to a rather disgruntled guest, in India we have a saying, he says, everything will be all right in the end. So if it's not yet all right, it's not the end. Aren't those kind of sources of hope a bit of a gamble? 
Is there a place where we can find more hope, a greater confidence that we can get into our hearts? The Bible says there is. And it's where we engage in this ancient story today. See, God is part of Abraham's life. He steps out on a journey with God. He saw that there was something beyond his old gods where he isn't right and starts out in a new direction. Right at the beginning, he hears what God has to say. God invites Abraham and his family to journey to a new land I will show you, says God. He starts hearing God's word. And that's the big message of the Bible. God has come out to reach us. He has spoken. He wants people to know him. And he's starting with Abraham in this story. But he's going to be much wider. He will be part of something that will bless the world. And we can be part of that too. So hope can come from reaching out to God who wants us to find him. Finding that he is there, that he has spoken and speaks to us. Realising that he has a purpose to change the world, to bring blessing from the curse that's left behind, that came when we rebelled and left Eden behind us. So we can find hope in taking note of God and what God has said. That's the start of it. That's where Abraham starts. Where do we find hope for a different world? Where do I find hope for a different me? Where do you find hope for a different you? We find it in God who has come after us. God who wants us to be rescued through Jesus. So to find that hope, we look into what God says. Consider, sorry, consider Christianity seriously as an adult. So often people just dismiss it because they've got stuff that they think they know. Go to Alpha, read the Bible, write to us, drop us an email or give us a call. We'd like to help you with that if you want that. And all through Abraham's journey, that word from God, that promise is reiterated. And hope comes from that word, from that promise. But for them, something has to happen. And the hope of the world is actually tied up in their whole family. But they don't have one. They have no children. And this is a hard place. And as we saw before, it goes on for year, for year, for decades, for decades. They wait, they trust, they make terrible mistakes, but come back again. And all the time the promise is there. God keeps repeating it. It doesn't go away. So hope comes through God's word. And to be sustained in that hope, we need to hang in with God's word, like Abraham and Sarah did. So as believers, our hope is fed by God's word, by the Bible. So how is that going on in your life at the moment? Being sustained in a waiting period, there are things we need to wait for in our Christian lives. And, and as we wait, we're sustained by God's word, by what God promises us. But as we look into Abraham and Sarah's journey, we see there's something else that sustained that hope, even in the darkest place, even in the longest wait. You know, there are two occasions in their journey when God makes a covenant with them. Genesis 15 and Genesis 17, check it out. Both involve Abraham doing something. But the key thing is that God is the mover in this. He's the mover. He's the major party, as it were. And God commits himself to be faithful to Abraham, 
to keep his promise. And the second time, as we saw, he specifically includes Sarah. They get their names changed then. And specifically, he gives them the promise again, years later, that they will have that son. Abraham can barely believe it. He laughs, and so the son is called Isaac, because Isaac means laughter. The point is that these covenants declare God's faithful love God's willingness to commit to people. He will be in relationship with people. And he goes on to be uh, in covenant with Israel. And when Jesus comes, Jesus talks about a new covenant in his blood because he goes to the cross. And God writes deeply into our hearts that he is faithful. And so we can be sustained in hope, even in a dark place, by God's faithfulness. This is how our hope can be sustained until it's fulfilled. God remains committed to keep his promise. He has bound himself to us in covenant love, deeper and more faithful than the best spouse we might ever have or dream of or want. And along the way, there are signs of that covenant, signs that kind of reassure us. There's that meal we share called communion. We'll do that later. There's baptism, the sign of beginning the Christian life. And we have a word we can trust, that we can absorb, that we can live on. But we know too that the one who spoke that word and speaks it afresh into our hearts, that one is absolutely faithful. You know, I wrote this line, I was typing it on my laptop, and the moment I wrote it and was just looking at it, my phone pinged, and it was really sad and devastating news. Something we'd been praying for had not been answered, as we'd hoped. Sometimes that's a question of holding on in the darkness. God is absolutely faithful, even when it doesn't happen as we prayed for, or it seems we have to wait a very long time. Now, there was another way they were sustained in hope. As we look into their story, we see God's presence was real for them. Abraham, in the start, in the beginning, was invited to walk with God. God, God says to Abraham, I will show you this land. Come with me and I'll take you there. In Isaiah, God speaks thousands of years later, actually, and talks about my friend Abraham. Fancy God calling you his friend. Amazing. See, God is really with them. Sarah knew this too. She gets to supervise a meal for God in that passage with those mysterious visitors. One of them speaks and Genesis said, the Lord says... And she hears God's promise, Sarah will have a son. Now she laughs as well, but the Lord doesn't blow her away for that. He explains, why did you laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord or too wonderful to the Lord? You know, Sarah heard the Lord say that to her direct. Can you imagine? She's a bit ashamed. She's scared that she laughed and she denies that she did. But the Lord says, you did laugh. And I think he's saying, don't worry, Sarah, you don't need to lie. I know. It's a bit like we say to our kids, or we used to, and maybe you do now. Look, tell me the truth and I won't be cross. So for us, part of being sustained in hope is God's presence with us. He lives with us by the Holy Spirit. And we see him, we enjoy him one to one and in fellowship with others as well. We take place on our own to be quiet in his presence. We have promises that he's given us for now. I will never leave you, he says. I will never forsake you. I am with you always, says Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, the Bible says. 
All that Jesus says about himself as being the way, the truth, the life, the shepherd, the light, are all true and are true right away. And Abraham's response to this presence of God with him is to worship. Genesis says that at key points, uh, Abraham builds altars. Abraham worships, he prays, it says he calls on the name of the Lord. Abraham puts himself in a way of living with God. And we're going to be thinking about that in our next series. To put ourselves in the way of living with God. How do we do that? Especially when we're spending a lot of time away from other believers these days. But that's from next week on. So anyway, there comes a day after a long wait when Sarah is laughing again. Really laughing overflowing with joy from our heart because Isaac is born, her joy overflows and others in her community join in. Hope turns to sight, the wait is over. So what about us? Well we can know that ultimate hope because God has spoken in his word and in Jesus. We can have that hope because if we trust our lives to him then we know that he is completely faithful he will deliver on all his promises. And we can have hope because we know he's with us one-to-one -one and sometimes often through others as well, particularly at those times when for us it's hard. Then the presence of God in others is so helpful. And there are God's promises. And many of them are delivered kind of straight into our lives, straight away. New life comes. We're born again. We're forgiven. We are made alive in Jesus. All of that happens straight away. But some others, like being guided, like that promise that says that one day we'll be like him because we'll uh, be changed to be completely like him. But it's going to be on that day. God begins a work in us that he will complete on the day of Christ when we see him face to face. There are some promises that are gradually fulfilled in our lives and will never be completely fulfilled till we see him face to face. And we're with him forever. But we can have that hope now, even in the dark places on our journey and even in the long waits, because we can have hope because of God's word because of God's faithfulness and because of God's presence. So let's worship him.